0: all right everybody welcome back to the millennial sales podcast your host tommy tahoe tom alemo in the house uh excited about today's pod i got my man zach wright joining us zach is the cro and co-founder of Sift, s-y-f-t and um formerly a sales leader at oracle we had a great conversation um really looking forward to uh to you all listening before i get into that uh, I just want to give a quick shout out. I announced my new prospecting boot camp, Relentless Prospecting. It's a 30-day boot camp specifically there to help you uh, up your pipeline and prospecting game. So that includes live coaching with me every single week. It includes a 24/7 Slack channel. It includes uh, guest speakers. Some former guest speakers were folks like Ian Cognac, Brandon Fluharty, Justin Walsh, Sam McKenna, people like that. So we'd love to have you there, and um, uh, that kicks off on July 3rd. I'm only doing um, uh, a limited number of seats for each of these. Every single one has sold out before, so we hope to see you there. Uh, If you want to learn more, head to my LinkedIn channel to learn more. Okay, now let's get to my episode with Zach Wright. Let's go. All right, next up on the pod, we've got the co-founder and CRO of SIF, my man Zach Wright. Zach, happy Friday. Good morning. How you doing, brother?
1: feeling good man thanks for having me tom excited for the weekend but i've uh, i've had this one circled on my calendar for a while i i love your podcast and uh really looking forward to the conversation
0: yeah man i appreciate it and excited to have you on we we got introduced through uh, a mutual friend uh, alex kramer who is a he's a friend of the podcast so man i'm excited to learn more about your story and, and dive in and um maybe just for for a quick second we'll get into your story but just for a quick second just so you know, I can let people know, you know, Zach, uh, why, why should people be listening to Zach? Well, because he spent a number of years, you know, climbing the ranks at, at Oracle uh, and a few other tech sales companies, was a regional sales director, and now is co-founding SIFT, uh, which is a, you know, for lack of a better term, a, a, a hot new sales tech startup, which we'll get into a little bit later in the pod. But um, Zach, tell me a little bit about, I know you 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 were a football player in college, right? Um, tell me a little bit about like that journey and I'm sure there's something, there's something tied to the competitive, na- competitive nature of football that probably led you to sales. So I'd love to you know hear a little bit about like the Genesis of that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like sales, sales had always been on my mind. Cause I, I grew up and my dad was a software seller and grew through the ranks at, uh, at Oracle in the nineties. So I, it's oh, funny wow. that I ended up getting a job there, um, but had, a ton of his colleagues that I could call on and, and ask for guidance and mentorship. And I still have some of those, my godfathers, even uh, he was a uh, a seller with my dad at, at IBM um, and he's actually the CEO of a a fintech company here in Texas. So it's pretty Uh cool. Um, But yeah, just, that was, that was a great upbringing seeing the potential of what software sales could unlock. Um, but yeah, your
0: dad was an OG.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like all of, there were so many different problems back then, like Y2K and, and that type of, uh, like what happens when the, uh, when it goes from 99 to zero, zero, is it going to, is the world going to collapse kind of thing? Yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, super interesting stuff. And just idolizing that, uh, that lifestyle of selling software and, uh, going to president's club and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, they actually had the, the corporate parties back then in the nineties at Larry Ellison's house, um, which is pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's pretty cool. I ended up going to Trinity university. Like you said, I played football there, uh, small D three school, uh, res- I wasn't ready to hang up the cleats. Let's just say that. Um, but yeah, I was a, uh, it was a great experience sales. I, I originally, I wanted to be a doctor um, and go pre-med kind of like 90% of people that go to a a school like that. Um, But with, with football, I wasn't able to cut it. So obviously I fell back to what I knew and I became a marketing major. Um, But at football, yeah, definitely taught me how to um, have a consistent schedule, be consistently knocking down task towards a goal and working as a bigger part of a team and knowing my one eleventh. they always say I played safety. So knowing my like doing my role, but then knowing what the linebacker in the corner and the D line was doing at all times, um, working on a team and, and going towards a, a bigger goal is, is definitely a life lesson that you can learn. So I, uh, I cherish those times, even though I kind of didn't have a social life in college. Um definitely cherished those times and ended up getting an internship from a buddy of mine. He referred me into Oracle and in my my uh, junior year going into senior year had an internship at Oracle. um so it was it was great because at the end of the internship, they were able to offer me a role after graduation. So my senior year second semester was pretty chill with like nine credit hours and yeah. Just got a puppy
0: and, and enjoyed life. It was great. Nice. Nice. So, uh, I want to linger on, uh, on your dad for a minute, if I may, uh, yeah, sure. and maybe even your, your godfather, just that, that whole generation. Um, I know I've met a lot of, uh, you know, people that used to sell at Oracle, IBM, Xerox, you know, places like that in the nineties and they were OGs, man, EMC, they were, they were like sales savages back then. Uh, and it was really intense, And, you know, I, I just, I've talked to a lot of guys that were successful that, you know, they'd be saying they'd be flying to China, you know, like once a week and like, you know, red eye. And then you, you get off the plane then you, you work for 16 hours and, um, and just like a really kind of like work hard, you know, play hard type of lifestyle. I'm just curious, like, um, and they were great salespeople, like great fundamentals. I feel like, uh, that they did a lot of training at those companies, especially like IBM. I know in particular, like had great sales training, so I'm just curious, like what, if any, like lessons, I don't know how much you talk shop with your dad, with your godfather, with his colleagues. Like what, if so, what did they tell you? Any lessons that like really kind of shaped you from a sales perspective?
1: Yeah, so, so much. Um, I think of my dad's team back at Oracle. I, the, that whole team, to show you how close they all were to my family, they were all at my wedding uh, this past August. So it's like, no kidding. They they knew me that well. Um, they were I think there was a couple of years in a row where all eight of them ended up going to President's club. They all drove these mercedes benz. I think like the nineties was a pretty hot time to sell uh, ERP software, right? yeah, um, but yeah, it was it was pretty pretty incredible times for them uh you you think now what like everyone, our generation, it's all about getting the meeting, getting the opportunity. But that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to software sales, right? And when it, when it comes to organizing a sales cycle, um, the I'll, I'll use your word of the OGs, they are flawless at running these sales cycles. Yeah. And I think oftentimes we're idolizing people that are just crushing meetings and getting pipeline. But we also need to remember there's this wealth of talent that's like 40 to 60 years old. Um, and they're typically like, they're probably VP of sales at this point, but there's so much we can learn from them on taking it from like upside all the way to close. Mm. Um, but yeah, just so many, so many different things that, that I've been able to call on, uh, even my co-founder Lee, his dad is in, in software sales, Craig Rogers. And I remember, uh, bringing up deal scenarios to him and he was so excited just to like talk about, um, certain problems that I was running into with a procurement guy, they've anything, any problem that you run into as a seller, these guys have run into it as well. Right. So it's like being able to lean on a mentor like that. And the network that I've been able to inherit from my dad is, has been incredible that, that, uh, and really inspired me to kind of become the seller that I am today, for sure.
0: Yeah. It's so interesting. You're, you're, you're right about, They are so dialed in if we're stereotyping, but a lot of these folks are, they're so dialed in on like the sales process, handling it masterfully, uh, building relationships where we'll get to this later. But, you know, I think a lot of us that have been selling virtually, uh, you know, that that's a, a, it's different getting your face in the place as they used to say uh, in the early days of Salesforce, um, versus, you know, doing everything over, over zoom or, or teams or something. And in um, the last part of like the family dynamic that that seems to be a generational thing too, where people really were like they they treated their coworkers like family, um, and they went on these trips together with their significant others and their kids, and yeah, you know, it's just it's interesting that you know so many of your your dad's colleagues like came to your wedding, uh, and that yeah. seems very uh, in line with like the '90s it, you know time frame software sales uh, culture from what I understand. Um, and it just feels different now. Uh, I don't know if it, if you feel if you felt differently at when you were at Oracle uh, and what you're building now at Sift. I, I don't know the culture, but um, it feels like at companies that I go to, have worked at, um, I don't maybe one or two good friends I've had, but I'm not having uh, 15 people from Gong uh, when I get married uh, to to come. That's just I just that's just not what's going to happen. So I don't know if that's a, a, a generational thing or what.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's uh things have things have changed big time. Like just remote work and COVID has really kind of pushed that in in that direction. I love uh like I was just on Chris Bussing's uh, podcast. I saw you. I watched your uh, time on his podcast as well and yours. I love the audience that you guys are going towards, which is this individual that wants to get into tech sales and SDR SDR trying to grow into an AE. I love the fundamentals that you guys are putting out, uh, like the content that you guys are putting out just because COVID and and work from home has really robbed that whole generation from an incredible foundation. You think of uh, like when I was at Oracle starting in 2014, we had training classes once a week was technical. I used to have my own private trainings with my SC and I'd ask him to train me for 30 minutes and I'd try to like train back what I learned for the last 15. Like there's just these valuable interactions, even as much as like there was cubicles and everybody's lined up on the sales floor and just hearing little nuggets of how someone's cold calling or an objection that someone overcame or even the feedback someone might give you after a call, even though it's very uncomfortable, people are listening to you speak uh, to customers. That feedback is, is incredible. And I'd rather... I'd rather someone coach me up and and mentor me and and tell me when I'm doing something incorrect, so I don't keep doing it and sounding sounding
0: immature. Um, but yeah, yeah. Tell me, I want to learn about the uh, the Oracle Day. So you get there, you have the internship, you get the the full time job as a, a BDR essentially. Uh, yeah. So you get in there, summer of 2014. Um, now you have a little bit of a head start in terms of you know you know I'm sure your your dad has told you a little bit about you know sales and you know about how to do it probably and you have the background in sport competitive sports which I think helps as well with the with the discipline and um you know the organization and things like that um but it's a tough gig so just walk me through like what was the first three to six months like you walk, you step into oracle as a fresh college grad
1: yeah yeah well the first thing I did is I had a, a friend that got me that internship he was his name's Logan Morrow. Um, he ended up Shout getting Logan. Oh yeah. Well, uh, he ended up getting a, uh, regional sales director role. So I was like, man, I want to get this guy as a mentor. And then he ended up introducing me to his peers. And these people were mentoring me and sure, you got to get your, your job done as a, a, we call them a BDC business development consultant, but BDR, SDR, you name it. Um, you got to get the job done, hit your pipeline, exceed your pipeline, get your KPIs. We had to do like 40 calls a week or, no, it's 40 calls a day, 200 calls a week, and 10 hours of talk time, and they actually tracked it, which was crazy. Um, so people trying to hit these KPIs, it was a challenge. But half of my time was focused on okay, this this BDC role is sure it it pays decent. It's not great pay to be honest, right? But you got to think of this is a trial for the next role, which is the AE right? Yep. So all I was doing is meeting with these different mentors. They would let me listen to calls on their team. Um, and after the year was up, I had four or five offers of all those mentors. They wanted me to come on their team. And I ended up picking that, that guy, Logan Morrow, to work for. Um, but it was just such a, a cool experience that I wasn't like comparing myself to everybody else and, oh, I've, I've hit my quota, so now I'm just going to coast but I was using that extra time to to get mentored, listen to other people. We used to call it drive time where you would actually like plug into their phone and listen and like you were on mute, Um, but you would actually go in and listen. Uh, I actually, I spent a lot of time taking what I learned and even though I wasn't polished and wasn't an expert, I would try to teach others on the team. So already trying to like teach them best practices. And once I became an AE after the first year, I started this like hunter, like this net new hunters group. It started with like eight people and it grew to like 150 people on the sales floor that I was just giving weekly trainings to. Um, and I was like 23 years old. I barely knew how to spell B2B software. Um, but I was just doing my best to take what is working and let's let's share that with the team and have an open uh, an open network.
0: Okay. Okay. Let's, let's put a pause there. So you're starting off, you know, you're on, you're making, how many calls, how many calls were you saying a, a week?
1: We had, we had a little ticker that you had to like mark off and it was two, you had to average 200 calls a week and yeah. 10 hours of talk time. And that includes like your, your discovery calls and all that. So okay. that's a lot. what was hard was, and I think this is a, like a bad metric, but it was like, it, the call didn't count unless it was 10 seconds
0: long. So yeah. you
1: feel yourself leaving like a little bit longer of a voicemail and you're like, yeah.
0: this is yeah. dumb. Uh, every, every, every like 10 to 12 seconds counts when you're getting 10 hours of talk time in a week is a lot Yeah, yeah. when you're cold calling. I mean, because you don't control how many people pick up the phone. And uh, if you were working a stereotypical nine to five, that's a quarter of your time actually talking to people, which is- yeah that's in, that's, it's, I don't know if it's insane to me, but it's, that's really high. That's like, that's, that's wild, That that's, that's the metric and you guys hit that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, like Gary Smith was my, my uh, SDR director at the time, and he was very big into Sandler and, and all that stuff. So like we got, we got to learn the best thing about Oracle was they were not afraid to bring in Sandler trainers. There's this guy named, uh, uh, well, Matt Benelli and Mike Myers at, uh, I think, gosh, they just started a a new Sandler training org, but they're like probably the best sellers I've ever met. Um, and then there was John Costigan who came in with his prospecting training. John Costigan's one of the best. He actually prides himself on taking, he actually makes cold calls for you in his training live in front of like a hundred people. Um, so you would come with a contact, and a talk track, and he would make it his own and cold call, and he would leave a voicemail. And how many times do people respond, like actually call you back from a voicemail? He would get people to call him back, and he'd be like, wait, 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 Susie's calling. And then he would answer it, and he'd pretend to work at the company and set up a meeting. It was incredible. Some of the, like that guy just has so much charisma. I was like,
0: all right, this guy makes you want to run through a brick wall and go pick up the phone. That's legit. That's wild. So I want to. I I do want to spend some time on the uh, whatever the Hunters Club is. That what you called it? What was the name?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was just like this net new Hunters Club. It was. uh, It was. We would just pick a topic, and uh, there was another individual, Jess Harper. She went on to Google Cloud, and Matt Mitchell went on to Snowflake and is wildly wildly successful. There was just like these other um, these other people that were making waves and and closing closing net new business. Um, I think that first year i I had like fifty transactions. A lot of those, they were like repeat customers. But it was just like we were getting such high velocity of deals that it was insane. So management gave us the freedom, which was incredible to just like lead these trainings and we could talk about whatever we want. Yeah. Um, and we'd pick different prospecting strategies, what's working, what's not working. And it like, Really excited me to get into sales leadership because I could see the light bulb going off.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: the hard part is the whole floor is coming to you for for questions, which is difficult when you're like you feel like you barely got it together yourself,
0: you know? Yeah, totally. And I'm yeah. I'm curious because I I talk to a lot of SDRs and and AEs all the time, and um, you know SDR might come to me or might be part of my boot camp and say, you know, hey, I'm I've been an SDR for nine months. You know, I'm doing well. I'm hitting my numbers, and uh, you know, I, I'm not getting promoted or or something like that. Um, and um, you know, one of the things I I ask is like, well, what are you doing outside of hitting your numbers? Bingo. And a lot of people come back with like, you know, why why would people want to hear from me? You know, why why what do I have to offer? I'm just an SDR. You know, I've only been doing this nine months. So, you what what gave you the you know the confidence to say? you know, yeah, I'm going to offer up like what I'm doing to help at first, maybe eight people, and then turned into like triple digits amount of people um, when you're so new to the game, like what gave you the confidence? What gave you the, yeah, you know, the the thought that, yeah, like I I'm I'm able to help people out?
1: Yeah. What I loved was like, it didn't matter how old you were. It was, it mattered what percentage of your quota you were and mm. people followed what was working. And I really, appreciated that it gave me a ton of confidence when people are coming to me and asking, what am I doing differently? Just to like have such stellar numbers there. Um, so yeah, it it was just like setting aside some time and, and focusing on, on mentoring people. And I felt like if I could teach it, I was actually going in because Oracle's famous for having really complex licensing as an example. Right. Um, There's they've got their on prem world, but they also have their cloud world, which has come a long way and made it a lot more simplified. But the on prem side of the house, you basically needed like a PhD in Oracle licensing. And I got really good at that from learning from other like really high performing sellers and RSDs. And I started like, I started becoming the de facto trainer for some of the new hires on just, okay, this is how you license. And it was so complex, but because I did a lot of these trainings and public speakings, I was becoming so much more confident. And my talk track was getting so much better because a lot of pitching is just practicing, right? Like getting understanding, um, understanding the challenges that your customers are facing and the value statements that you can align to, which is a lot of what we're trying to automate at SIF now. Yeah. Um, but it was just, it was just uh, another area to grow my personal development,
0: which was pretty cool. Yeah, and I, the reason why I'm spending a lot of time here is like a lot of folks that listen to this podcast, their SCRs or their AEs, they want to get to the next level. If that's get promoted to AE or enterprise or manager, yeah. And you know, hitting your numbers is is table stakes. You know, being at the top yeah. of the leaderboard is is the table stakes. And then finding opportunities to help your business. You were not getting paid to do these trainings. Yeah. Uh, it didn't help you. Re- I mean, I guess it did. It probably made you better. Teaching helps you get better, but it didn't really, in the nuts and bolts, help you hit quota. You know, some could, some would say your time could have been better spent making an extra hour of phone calls because you would have been higher percent to quota, but you were, you know, kind of thinking a little bit more strategically. And so I, I do want to just point that out. Um, and to carry it along a little bit in your journey, I know you at some point you, you left oracle after a little bit you went to i believe informatica then boomeranged back over to oracle as a as a sales director um talk to me about what was your thought process like you, you seem to have a natural incl- inclination to lead others yeah. Um, what was your philosophy or what was kind of like the way that you led the team when you were a sales manager or sales director? Or yeah, and
1: Real quick before we move on, cause you made yeah. a really interesting comment, like an SDR came to you with nine months experience. Why am I not getting promoted? I would say have patience in this role, right? Like this SDR role, it typically is one year at the earliest and two years is, is typical. But if you leave this company and go to another company, they're not just going to plug you in as an AE, they're going to want you to be an SDR. So you just took not just a lateral step, but kind of a a step back because now you got to hit that that year in general. Um, I've been I've been mentoring some upcoming seniors and new AEs and new SDRs. And a lot of the times you got to just focus on not comparing yourself to everybody else. And compare yourself to yourself. Right. So if you're uh like if if you're the top one percent, a lot of people will just coast because oh I'm I'm the best here, right? Like yeah. if you're if you're comparing your your activity to yourself, that's you're not gonna fall complacent. And a lot of that's the hard part about not having that camaraderie in, in this uh hybrid workforce. But no, I just wanted to plug that in just because a lot of folks get a little antsy around month nine. You feel like you got it going on. You feel like you could, Oh, that's easy. I could have done that. But there is a lot that goes into that AE role that it it's good to have that first year with the training wheels on for sure. Um, Diving back in, I, I boomeranged back to Oracle. It was so refreshing. Uh, Chris Gandolfo is the SVP there. He like he changed their entire uh, culture on the cloud side and that's that's where I joined and I I joined my the guy that was my manager in my first role, Alex Alex Baird he hired me because he stayed and became a VP and he hired me as a frontline sales manager. and I inherited this team um and they were a lot of them were had like one two years experience, which is typically not the field seller pedigree, right? like typically a field seller's got maybe five or six years of inside sales experience, maybe, maybe two to four on like the lower end. Yeah. I, I focused on, all right, how can I, how can I develop these individuals and get them confident to where they can start running their own sales cycles individually, but just getting them in person and out in the field. Remember, this is like, this is 2021. So it's uh, like 2020 and 2021. So it's like the the end of COVID where no one's really traveling, but mm-hmm. We were just like, all right, let's uh," you had to have like a justification to Gandolfo, the SVP of why you had to travel. But we just were like, all right, well, let's just make a bunch of justifications and go see customers. Right. And I went in territory with these reps and just got to see them take meeting after meeting and gain so much confidence. Um, And it was it was so hard to leave to go start SIFT because you build such incredible relationships with your team, Uh, your frontline, like your your reps, they're out there working their ass off, um, prospecting, finding new deals, they're developing themselves. We actually uh, to grow some of these skills that that they might have missed in uh, like this COVID world. It was so funny, like when we went back to the office, all of them, it was like their first time working in an office. So they were all excited to go into the office. I was like, wow, this is so backwards from before. Yeah. yeah. But we actually, we did a, a book club together as a team. And we did a book a quarter. And on Sundays, I would prepare like slide a slide deck. And we started with Sandler. Um, and we did Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. I know you're a big Voss fan. Yep. Um, and we did How to Tell a Good Story. Uh, and we did some other selling books. Um, but it was just so great to like, everybody was reading the chapters and we were kind of collaborating on it and try to try to develop their skill sets. And that's way outside of their, uh, like their job description, right? Like yeah. who said you have to build a book report uh, as a salesperson, but like, if you can learn to tell a good stories and learn to negotiate and learn to prospect and learn how to run a deal, that's so valuable. And they're like, it was so cool to see them put it into action. like. Okay, I as uncomfortable as it is to have a formal upfront contract. Let's see you do it on this call, you know. And yeah. like it was just so cool to see these individuals uh, progress. Yeah,
0: yeah, I love um I love the notion of getting in in person and and getting on the road. I actually found I was talking to someone about this uh, this week that you know I found myself four I'm four months into running this business and the first like three months of it. Uh, overcomplicating a lot of things and building out all these sales sequences and trying to sell to all these cold people. And, uh, and the thing that's made a huge difference in the last month is two things is one, like just seems obvious, but leveraging my LinkedIn network more and leveraging the fact that I live in the third biggest city in the country in Chicago, uh, and just grabbing coffee with people and lunch with people. And, uh, I've done that. And I, you know, in the last few weeks, I've probably done that once once a day or or maybe three or four days a week where I'm on the road, you know, grabbing a coffee with someone. And that has led to deals that has led to referrals. It's led to, you know, a lot of great things that I just feel like doesn't, you know, takes longer on zoom and, um, and it's not as fun on zoom to be honest with you. I wish me and you were in person right now, uh, at, at a table, um, you know, and, and I don't, you know, Zoom is a, is a, is necessary, I think, for the way of the the world. But if you have an opportunity to get out in front of customers, whether it's making a business case to your VP to get on a plane or if you have a regional territory and you can get in your car or something like that, um, man, that's where I think... I, I still think that's where real deals get done. I still think that's the best way, the best use of most salespeople's time if you are uh, an AE and, and you're closing anything significant you know, deal size—it's not super, you know, transactional.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I uh, at Informatica, I covered Cincinnati for a year, and I—I uh, I can't remember the amount of trips, but on the year, I did a hundred segments just to give you, like, yeah, like that's a lot of flight segments in general. Yeah. <laughs> it was just back and forth to Cincinnati. But I, what did I do? The first thing I did when I joined Informatica before I went through training, before I went through anything. I learned, okay, give me five customer win stories from the website. And I just went in territory and I dropped off 10 handwritten notes. um, And that ended up getting three opportunities. And I ended up getting lunch with a CIO that was just available. And I just showed up and I was like, yeah, I flew here from Austin, Texas to meet this guy. I'd love to just shake his hand while I'm here. And like, they let me go shake the CIO's hand. he's like, well, I'm free for lunch. You want to go grab lunch? It's insane. Um,
0: yeah. Hold and- up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yeah. Hold up, hold up. Okay. We need, to, we need, I need more. All right. So yeah. you're in Austin, your territory is Cincinnati. You, yeah. you know, whatever companies they are, you don't have to say them, but you say, all right, I'm going to target these 10, you know, these are my A accounts, mm-hmm. write them a letter. You're going to drop it off at the, at the business headquarters. What's yeah. in the letter and what do you say to the person when you're dropping it off that then leads to this lunch? Cause I'm gonna yeah, steal love, this move next week.
1: I love playing the new card, man. For like a whole year, I was new to the company to customer, but yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like people love helping people that, that are lost or like they're new to a situation. And I'll just tell them exactly how it is. Like, hey, I uh, I am brand new to the company, but I I chose to work at Informatica because they were the leaders in X, Y, and Z. Um, I'm just here to create relationships. I want to understand what you guys are doing, um, and see if we can help. I ended up parlaying that into Informatica was sponsoring this golf event, uh, at the Memorial golf tournament and ended up taking that CIO to that Memorial golf tournament. We're following Tiger and we're having the time of our life. And no, no doubt he signed the deal, right? Like people buy from people they like. And they, they justify the, the reasoning whenever uh, like it makes sense, right? And you can yeah. sell uh, you can sell value and align to their business. Um, but you are 100 percent spot on. if there's a if it's me versus massive competitor A, and we're kind of neck and neck, and I'm there with the personal relationship, personal relationship's going to win 10 out of 10 times, um, mm. or at least nine out of 10 times. Um, you can never be a hundred percent, but, um, yeah, I would say building relationships as a field seller is your number one job. Uh, I said this on the, on Chris's podcast, but one of my mentors, Tyler Robbins, he talks about create raving fans of your product and, and the results of, of your partnership and the revenue will take care of itself, right? Like if you're just more focused on how can I. How can I make this, uh, this person successful, make them look good in their job? It was always my goal. At Informatica, I, I got three of my customers on the website. That was like my goal. And my ultimate nice. win was get their logo and their win story on the website. I also got a, a chief data officer to do a webinar for us, um, hook them up with marketing, get them to... My customers were the ones that were doing quotes for our data sheets and stuff like yeah. that. You know, it's like... If you're doing that, then you're making successful customers and you're building a brand for yourself that is just far and above different than a a sleazy car salesman, which is unfortunately what the sometimes like what comes across uh, on a first impression. That's why cold calling so difficult. Right. Um, But if you can if you can show that you're a human, especially by going in person like it day night and day difference. On what you're able to accomplish.
0: Yeah, you. I was listening to. I, <laughs> I don't know why, but I went down a rabbit hole of uh, this guy. I forget his name, but he just bought the Suns this year. He's like 42, uh, and uh, he owns that's the cool. biggest. M- m- sorry.
1: I said that's cool. They just got Durant.
0: Yeah, yeah. He 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 started like the week before they got Durant. That was like the first thing he did, and uh, he's 42, and he owns like the biggest mortgage company in the world. And I was listening to a podcast on him and he, uh, and he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, I, you know, I, we do happen to own that, that business and he's worth like $7 billion. But he's like, I don't think about money. I just, I do the right things. And whenever I'm successful, the money follows. So I focus on winning. I focus on the success. I focus on doing the right thing. And I've never done that. And the money hasn't followed. And so it's easy as a sales rep, especially when you're new in seat, especially when maybe your company's hitting a tough spot, You know, financially, maybe when you know the economy is in a tough spot, to focus on the quota, to focus on the deal, um, that's really easy to do. Um, But if you focus on the success, you focus on winning, you focus on getting your customer on the website. My customers are going to be successful. Good things follow from that, Um, and so that's just been really top of mind for me this week. It's just a reminder to myself.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, like you talk about you talk about like focusing on the deal and the quota, which. In most sales court and most sales cultures, it's front and front and center, right? It's, it's a big focus for everybody. I think uh, it's a great reason to always bring in your leadership um, and not work isolated on an Island. Um, Because if they're a part of the deal cycle and it falls apart, they kind of understand why, because they have the intricate details and you didn't lose by yourself, right? If you lose enough deals by yourself, you're probably fired, yeah, right? Totally. But include these leaders and Hey, they also are incredible sellers. They didn't become a, a VP of sales for nothing. Um, so they will be, that was something that I was able to do at these massive corporations was use these, use all of these brilliant people and bring them in when it made sense. Um, and not lose by yourself. I think that's a, that's a big one. When you, just when you're talking about like, Hey, quotas front and center. It's tough not to like, just do whatever it takes. But sometimes if you're focusing on how can I create raving fans and include your leadership, like you're still going to keep your job if you miss your quota or whatever it might be. Um, But the hope is you get enough at bats that, that these deals take care of themselves, you know?
0: Yeah. And that was, uh, I love the create raving fans. That was, uh, that's one of Gong's, principles and that was like the number one thing that they said all really? in every team meeting they had like five or six values that they lived by and that was probably the one they brought up the most it was like if we create raving fans you know we're gonna win so um you know you could do that on a micro level uh, of course as as an ae as a salesperson um zach i want to talk about uh starting Sift. you started sift with a few co-founders uh, about a year ago i believe and um i want to talk about sift in a you know, the business side in a minute, but first I want to ask, you know, you clearly have a passion for sales. You have a passion for developing others, for leading uh, people. Um, You know, I don't know what your comp plan was like at Oracle, but I imagine you're making some pretty good money. Imagine you had some, some RSUs going. I imagine you're probably hitting quota. Things are going good. Um, And then you go to, you know, start a business, which is uh, the opposite of that financially in the early days. So uh, why, like just personally, why did you decide to make that move?
1: Yeah. And my uh like my co-founder Lee, he he always says, I wanna, I wanna work on cool problems with people that I love. And like I've known my co-founder since the fourth grade. Um that's sweet. Yeah. And then we met uh we met our CTO through a, a really close friend of ours. Um, and and Peter, he came with an incredible background. He he worked at Optimizely. He was leading some of the uh, the largest uh, website digital uh, optimization programs at like Nike and Charles Schwab, and I think they were working with both presidential candidates on their website at one point. But he's like, "Yeah, I could." We came to him with, "Hey, we want to uh, build this, but we don't like we're not tech like Lee's uh, Lee's technical, but we needed some backend work." Um, and Peter was like, "Yeah, we can do this, no problem." And it was it was funny how this. Like all came together because Lee and I, Lee worked at uh, Workday and Oracle for the same amount of time that I was working, and we we really saw the need out there for something like Sift. Um, we just had to go build it, but it was a uh, it was very rewarding. Um, every deal that you close, it's funny because like the deal sizes that we close would have been like a drop in the bucket compared to my quota at Oracle, sure. but I'm more proud of every single deal that closes. We were, like we had this uh this upfront deal that closed and it was like our first one and we we're framing it framing the PO on the wall and we framed our uh like framed our first dollar i'm looking at it over across the uh the office here um but it's just so rewarding to work with really cool people that like are just very innovative and trying to trying to create the future of B2B sales you know it's like and to think about it abstractly it's difficult. Um, one on like a, I'm, I'm going to use attention management, not time management very purposefully, but where you spend your time as a co-founder is the hardest part, right? So like once you're starting, you've got all of these functions and I'm the only person that's really doing outbounding, prospecting, um, marketing, all this kind of stuff. Um, then you think of, okay, we got customers, we got to onboard them, we got to train them uh, there's a lot of different hats that you wear that you take for granted from a big company like an Oracle or an Informatica mm-hmm. where they're like, oh yeah, now we just hand it to the customer success team and marketing has all these leads coming to us. Yeah. Um, but if you start just focusing on systems, like, oh, this is my outbounding prospecting and, and what system I'm going to do here and it's yielding this result. I'm just going to focus on that for a while until I perfect it. And now what I've been doing recently is trying to get on like just do very consistent social media content. Um, and I like, I'm really inspired by what you are doing and what Chris is doing. I feel like YouTube shorts, I think could be like a really good avenue for me, yeah. um, but I'm starting to see inbound leads from that. So like, that's a, that's a whole different system that I can invest in uh, and just start perfecting these systems that uh, doesn't, it's, it's not overwhelming, right? Versus if you think about it all at once, you could burn out really quickly um just cuz you're overwhelmed of of what's going on and that's uh yeah it's just how i've been approaching it
0: yeah yeah i love that i love the and i i relate deeply to the uh you know every every small you know re- size is relative but every like small deal means so much more is so uh it just feels so good and you know i actually felt as an ae i was an ae for slash sales manager. I had both those roles for like seven, eight years. And I felt with each year for me personally, at least the satisfaction of closing a deal, even a big deal, six figure deal, seven figure deal, uh, you know, kept getting smaller and I kept like feeling less joyed by it. And now like I close a thousand dollar deal or something. And I'm like, bang, I got a gong right here. And I'm like banging the gong and I'm like stoked and uh, it feels good. And, you know, it's just, it's a different, um, yeah, it's just a different feeling and it's just a more, uh, for me at least, more fulfillment coming from it. And if that's not, you know, every, you know, some people are, are AEs for 50 years and they love it and that's great too, but you know, I think just kind of leaning into where are you getting your satisfaction from and, you know, uh, ranking that, you know, as well as maybe what you might be making, you know, compensation wise. And it's all, it's all a part of an equation of what might be the best path for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, it sucks because like I left a really good situation. Um, but I had saved up for this type of experience. And if this doesn't work out for whatever reason, and I am very confident about where we're headed, but like worst case, it's like, I got an MBA, you know, and running okay. a company. Um, and I'm dealing with sales leaders at all times and building this brand and in, in sales. I feel like I could get a a gig wherever I want, so it's not like I'm not. It's not like I'm worried about looking backwards or anything like that. I'm just looking forward, and I've got a, a co-founder share of this company, and just thinking about the experience I'm getting and the the opportunity that's ahead of us. We just got to go execute, um, and and get out there and make the most out of our brand. So that's kind of where our where our team is focusing on. Yeah, I love
0: it. So. Uh, before we get to some of the rapid fires, why don't you just educate the audience if they don't know sift? Sift with a y by the way. Uh yeah. tell just tell us a little bit about like what you guys are doing in the space. Yeah,
1: siftai.com if you want to check it out or like feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and follow our our LinkedIn page. Uh, what we're doing is we're uniting the revenue team to value sell, right? And it's everything everything prior to that out first outreach. There's so much that goes into a day-to-day seller in their territory planning, um, which accounts should they be prioritizing and going after? Uh, how do I collaborate with my SDR from like a territory management perspective? How do I create value messaging? And we're we're uh, using generative AI to create some of this value messaging, but doing it in a really unique way where since we have the consolidated research about all of the prospects in your territory and what you care about, we're surfacing challenges that these prospects are probably facing, cross-referencing that with your solution to have value statements. So then we can plug those value statements and use generative AI to create value emails. So you see how it was a little bit more logical of a process versus just asking ChatGPT to write you an email, which could be creative like creative writing that's far from the truth or outdated info. We're really focusing on how can my solution solve my prospects problem and create a value story for them. Um, and that content generation has been really exciting for a lot of folks that are trying to adopt chat into their sales processes. Um, and the like just overall companies are paying a ton of money for just siloed parts of what SIFT can offer. Um, and it's just drowning the users in more and more data. So what we're trying to say is we're offering this single horizontal experience from all those areas that I talked about. Um, and we're doing it at a, at a much better cost than a lot of these siloed players that are just data providers.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love it. And um, longtime listeners of this pod will know that I do not... Um, I don't have just anyone on the podcast. I actually believe in what you guys are doing. This is not a paid partnership by any means. Just I enjoy getting to know you. And I think what you're doing is cool. Um, But there's a lot of people that, you know, prospect me and other podcasters to try to get, you know, on their podcast. And so. um, Yeah, yeah, I I prospected you. You'll see your DMs. (laughs) I
1: literally wrote a note to you saying how I want to be on the podcast. It's (laughs) It's funny that it worked out. I just
0: got an introduction through someone else. It's a that's the that's what we're talking. That's a that's a good sales lesson right there. Is that if your cold outreach isn't working, uh, to to you know always lean on the mutual connections. Uh, no, but it's just it's just to to emphasize that. Yeah, I think what you guys are doing is is really cool. Uh, and commend you for the work and excited to see where you guys take it. Um, all right, I want to pivot to some rapid fires to close us out here. Um, so first up, we're big readers on this podcast. I'm not sure if you are a reader or not. Uh, if you are, uh, I'd love to hear any books that have impacted you, you know, as a, as a person, they could be a sales book. It could be a completely, uh, different topic. Um, but anything that stands out as like really impactful for you, you books, you recommend to others, anything you've read good recently. Um, curious where, where your mind goes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been reading a ton on, on VCs just cause like, that's a area of weakness of mine, yeah. right? Like, it's like you learned Spanish two years ago, and you're negotiating with someone that's fluent, right? So you yeah. got to really learn the verbiage, uh, like Secrets of Sandhill Road and and some other VC books that I've been reading. Um, if I go back to my sales books, like I I couldn't not say Chris Boss never split the difference. I feel like everyone says that, but if you actually listen to it, uh, it's it's so entertaining. As some background, it's a uh, lead FBI hostage negotiator, and he's talking about different negotiation lessons through different hostage uh negotiations and like the second chapter will change your life on how he negotiates with a bank robber chris watts and i like i just go back to that chapter and listen to it sometimes um but yeah i i have uh i have books that i go back to all the time that i've sticky noted or or whatever um you can you can never read a sales book too many times cuz it like it all runs together and you got to refresh yourself.
0: Yep. Uh what goes on in the headphones for Zach right music wise? Oh man.
1: I uh I like uh I like a lot of indie stuff. There's been there's been a lot of a lot of cool guys that come through here. We just saw Kaleo live. Uh we're going to see Dermot Kennedy live. I also like rap uh anything you, you'd also be surprised. Like I, I have a pretty diverse set of music. Um, yeah. We just went to the Taylor Swift concert. I went okay. with wife. She was all sparkled up and she loved it. Uh, big time Swifty. So yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. Respect, respect yeah. to Swift. Uh, uh, okay. So and what she did, she did
1: four hours, no, three and a half hours, 44 songs with no, she didn't take longer than a three and a half minute break. I was like, and that was just to change into another outfit. I'm like, damn respect to the hustle of Taylor Swift doing this 50 times this year. Um, Like, like her music or not, you got to love the hustle
0: uh, and what she's doing. There's something to be learned from the top, top at anything. And she is the top. Again, take take your preference of her music aside. The way that she's making bank, the way that she's making headlines, the way that she has, you know, millions and millions of people captivated by everything she does, including her recent breakup and maybe her new crush or whatever. I don't know. My, my girlfriend was telling me about that, uh, last oh, night, yeah, sure. uh, you know, it's like, you got to respect that. And there's something to be learned, um, about just like masters of, of a craft.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was funny Is she was like, uh, I think FTX tried to pay her like a hundred million dollars to, to be a spokesperson and she ended up turning them down. I'm like, Wow, how did she know that this was going to be such a a scandal that she avoided it? Uh, yeah. I just thought it was
0: so interesting. Yeah, I love that. All right, I got two more questions for you. Number one is, uh, what's something you do? You mentioned music a little bit, but what's something else you do outside of work that helps you kind of like maintain your mental health?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I I uh, take walks every day with my wife. She's she's actually pregnant. We're ex- we're expecting in uh, September, uh, so we we uh, walk with our dogs. Um, I have a, a very close community here in Austin of uh, just some folks that are either in software sales or entrepreneurs of their their own companies. Um, and I, I love hanging out with them, shooting the shit. What, what, what are they doing? What challenges are they facing? Uh, try to stay fit. I, I've been more into mental health and, and certainly getting into uh, getting back in shape since I've become a co-founder. Uh, yeah. it's funny, like in my nine to five before it was so hard to like s- make my own schedule and prioritize myself, uh, and my mental health. And some of the things that if you're not taking care of, will burn you out 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Um, so just focusing on that and, and getting prepared to bring a new life into the world is pretty crazy. Even though yeah. my, my wife will listen to this and she'll probably laugh her ass off. Like he didn't do anything, Yeah, uh, <laughs> but like. She's doing all the hard work, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Shout out to your wife and, and congrats. Yeah. Um, She's in last
1: right now seeing her family.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, my, my last uh, selfish question for you is who is someone that you'd want to see come on this podcast? Man.
1: So my, uh, like one of my mentors, Tyler Robbins, probably one of the best sellers I've met. Um, I think he would crush it if you didn't already know Chris, I would have introduced you to Chris.
0: Um, yeah, I am. I I am going to have, have Chris, uh, Chris busing on for those that aren't, aren't familiar. Yeah. I like Tyler Robbins. I've never even met him. I like him because his name is so close to Tony Robbins that I feel like I'm going to like him. That's that's where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah. He, uh, I just introduced him to Alex Kramer and he, uh, he loved him. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get all of us to go to your, uh, your big sales retreat in July. Um, I just I love the thought of getting sales leaders together and just talking about what's what's working, what's not working. I think you said there's some cool things like a cold plunge and some like things to test your limits. Um, so I'm really interested in that and hopefully we can make it happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope to see you there. And for those that aren't interested, I will take the moment to give a free ad and say that <laughs> uh we're doing a three day sales retreat July 14th to 16th in lovely Austin, Texas. And uh yeah, learn about sales. Talk about the inner game. Build community. All right, uh, end ad there. Uh, but Zach, I love appreciate that, you. By the way, I yeah. love that. Big yeah. fan. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. And and I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. Um, I hope to get to uh, to meet you in person, whether or not you you come to the retreat. Just when I come down to Austin and grab some food and and uh, and hang out a little bit. And I uh, just want to give you a chance to let people know where where to best find you any last words you have. And, and again, thank you for your time and, uh, and just the commitment that you make to helping the sales community get better.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Zach Wright Sift. Uh, and I have not started my YouTube journey yet, but I want to, uh, in the near future. So look, uh, look out for that, but yeah, thanks so much for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. I, uh, I'm really impressed by what you've built with this podcast and just some of the, the guests that you've had on here are incredible. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for spending an hour with me.
0: Yeah. I appreciate you, man. And, uh, we'll stay tuned for the, for the YouTube shorts. I hope to, uh, to be checking, uh, checking some of those out, but thanks for coming on. Thanks to everyone for, uh, for listening. I again, highly recommend everyone go connect with Zach, let him know what you liked about the episode, uh, check out SIFT S Y F T. Um, and, uh, and, uh, again, thanks Zach for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much, Tom.